Good afternoon, and welcome to Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet, 200th episode. Whoa-ho. <laughs> Woo-hoo for us. Uh, it's been almost six years um, since I've been on the air with this show approximately three times a month, and um, every show has been made into a podcast that you can listen to online whenever you like. And the show is all about jazz drummer Paul Modian, um, his music, music he inspired, and music he was inspired by. And I would like to thank my sponsors, the Curator and Dowling Walsh Gallery in Rockland and Rockport Automotive in Rockport. Um, and this is always on community radio. Thank you, Community Radio, 93.3 FM, WRFR, Low Power, Rockland, Maine, streaming online at wrfr.org. Um, so today's show to celebrate, um, we've got a couple of things. I, I'm sort of just, I'm doing a lot of reading because I know people like that from um, Paul Modian's autobiography. Um, I was going to do like my personal favorite things, but I just started with something and that led to another. And so it is in no way inclusive of what is my favorite. <laughs> so it's a little different than I thought, but that always happens. So, but one big change I'm making is I'm only going to make one show a month into a podcast. Um, and the other two weeks, I'll still be on the air here on the radio and you can stream it or listen to it live only. Um, and that's just because there's 200 shows online that you can listen to. I've covered a lot of ground. There's still more I can do. Um, and it just it will save me a little time in my life to do it this way. So um, that's what's going to happen. And most of the music I play will be from Paul Modian's collection as still. So it will still be a jazz show, although I might venture out a bit here and there. Um, so for today's show, I'm going to start off with a reading. Oh, and oh, the other thing is that to celebrate, I'm giving away 12 um, really nice 8 by 10 black and white photographs of Paul Modian by Italian photographer Roberto Massati. And um, Paul had a, a pretty big stack of these. So I've been um, putting away photographs and I thought, well, the archive doesn't need this many. So um, as a sort of a tribute to the show and to Paul, um, you can call in when music is playing here at the station during the show. Um, 207-593-0013, uh, and I'll take your name and address and mail you one, or even better, you can pick it up here, or I don't know, maybe I could meet you at Rock City or something like that, um, if you live close by, which if you're listening, you probably do. And if you're listening to the podcast, um, any leftover photos, which I'm sure there will be some, um, I'm going to put a post on Facebook when I upload the podcast and uh, people can comment there to get a copy of the photo. Um, and it's a nice photo. The vintage, I think, is 1974, and it's Paul Modian. Um, it's from, I think it's from a session that was done when he recorded the tribute album. So um, it's an ECM photo. And 
and it shows him and one of his symbols, a little bit of the drum set. Um, a teeny bit of the drum set. It's actually one symbol. He's sort of below the symbol, and then there's one symbol to the side as well. And uh, and it's in his face. He's not. He's not. He hadn't shaved his head yet, so he has a mustache, and he has some hair, but not as much hair as he had in the early 70s. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to read a chapter from Paul's book called Lenny Tristano, and then I'm going to play some Lenny Tristano with Paul Modian on drums. Lenny Tristano, a blind pianist, created a unique and new style of jazz, a music school all his own. It was 1958 when I first started working with Lenny. The beginning was at the Half Note, the jazz club downtown, on the corner of Spring and Hudson Street. I continued to work with him on and off through 1962. We played at the Half Note for 10 weeks once, 10 weeks in the same club. Lenny kept me on the gig, but used a different bass player every week. Paul Chambers, Teddy Kotick, Peter Ind, Jimmy Garrison, Henry Grimes, Whitey Mitchell, Sonny Dallas, Nobby Tota. I don't remember exactly who else played bass, but Lenny liked Peter Ind. Peter, can you make the gig for the rest of our engagement? No, Lenny, I'm not happy with the music. You don't have any love in your music. It surprised me when he said that. Peter didn't play with us again. Standing outside the club one night with Paul Chambers during intermission, Paul said, I hate this music. It's toy music. There were others that didn't like the music. Most of the time, I enjoyed the gig and the music. It gave me a chance to play somewhat differently. The music was different than what I was used to. It was challenging and complicated and required a high level of concentration. Sometimes I would exchange fours with Lenny. Lenny said, Paul, I like it when we play fours. I was thinking your solos sound like a drunk falling down a flight of stairs. Ha ha. Charlie Mingus came in one night, and I overheard him say to Lenny, you don't dig me because I'm black. How would I know, Lenny said. There were times when the music was glorious and I liked it. There were other times when I found it difficult and had a hard time with it. Lenny was, Lee Konitz was usually in the band, sometimes along with Warren Marsh on tenor saxophone. Two saxophones, bass, drums, and piano. Sometimes the band was a quartet with one saxophone, either only Warren Marsh or Lee Konitz. So um, we're going to start out with continuity, Lenny Tristano's tune from the album of the same name, and this was recorded in October of 1958 at the Half Note with Lenny on piano, Warren Marsh on tenor, Henry Grimes on bass, and Paul Modian on drums.
Charlie Parker's Yardbird Suite from the 1958 Atlantic recording Warren Marsh with Warren on tenor saxophone, Paul Chambers on bass, and Paul Modian on drums. And before that, we heard Lenny Tristano's Continuity from the album of the same name with Lenny Warren, Henry Grimes on bass, and Paul Modian, also recorded in 1958. Um, and I'm going to continue on with the reading from the chapter about Lenny Tristano. There was one night when Warren and I were on our way to the half note for our gig with Lenny. We were in a taxi and everything seemed normal, a pleasant ride. I was looking forward to playing and thinking about the gig and the music when I noticed a car following us. When we got to Greenwich Village below 14th Street, we stopped for a red light, and the car that had been following us pulled up alongside. I saw that there were four men inside. Two of them got out and approached us, one on my side of the taxi and the other on Warren's side. Our cab driver said, don't open the doors or windows. Lock your door. They're going to rob us. I wondered if he thought that because two of them were black. No, I thought, everything's okay. I didn't get any weird or bad vibe. I wasn't scared or worried, and I didn't lock my door. I even opened my window. They were cops. One of them said, got anything on you you're not supposed to have? Warren began arguing with the cops. What are you doing? He raised his voice. Why are you stopping us? We haven't done anything. I thought he was being nasty. Why was he provoking them? We were told that we fitted the description of two jewel robbers that they were looking for. They had heard the description of the thieves over their police radio. I hoped they would let us go, which they did. It was a scary moment. We told them we were playing at the half note and that we were on our way to work. When we reached the half note, I asked Warren why he acted as he did. Why was he so belligerent against the cops? I thought you came on too strong, I said. He told me that he had a lot of pot on him and didn't want to get searched and busted. 
We were lucky. That night, the music was extraordinary. Lenny Tristano, Lee Konitz, Warren, and Henry Grimes. Up next is My Baby from Continuity.
tune by Warren Marsh from his self-titled 1958 Atlantic album with Paul Chambers on bass and Paul Modian on drums. And before that, we heard My Baby from Lenny Tristano's Continuity with Lenny, Warren Marsh, Henry Grimes, and Paul Modian, all recorded in 1958. Um, and don't forget, if you would like a free copy of an 8x10 glossy photo of Paul Modian taken by 
Roberto Masadi in 1974, um, which is when Paul was recording the trib- his tribute album. Um, you just need to call the station, 207-593-0013, um, but please wait till music is on, and I'll take your name, and um, I can either leave it here or meet you somewhere or mail it to you um, if you're too far to drive or it isn't convenient. Um, and any leftover photos, I have 12 of those photos I'm going to give away to celebrate the 200th podcast of Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet, which you are listening to. Um, and, I'll, and I'll put a post on Facebook also for people listening to the podcast to, uh, you know, make a comment and, and I'll give you a copy of the photo. I've given away some books that way. It seems to work okay. So um, get more reading. And this is titled Bebop from Paul Modian's unpublished autobiography, talking about uh, his childhood days. The record store was another place to hang out. I would go over there with friends from school, and we'd listen to records, never, ever buying any. In those days, you could go into a record store, pick out recordings you might want to buy, and listen to the 78s, in parentheses, a vinyl disc in a small private booth. Someone played me a Charlie Parker record. The music was different than anything I had heard before. It was exciting. It was new. At first, the music didn't make much sense to me. I had been listening to a recording by the pianist Albert Amons. I thought I liked it, but I loved the music I heard that day by Charlie Parker. It was more interesting, and it was my introduction to bebop. I would listen to jazz radio from New York, live broadcast from the jazz club Birdland. The radio announcer and master of ceremonies was a DJ who went by the name Symphony Sid. There would be other broadcasts from New York. Then, through the mail, I would order the recordings that appealed to me. I would receive the discs and immediately open the package and play the recordings on our wind-up Victrola. So that would have been in the 1940s, what he's he's talking about. So next up, I have got um, Scrapple from the Apple from Charlie Parker's Bluebird Volume 2 album. And then I've got the same song with Paul Modian's Electric Bebop Band. Thank you. 
That was Paul Modian and the Electric Bebop Band, 1993 Polydor recording, with Charlie Parker's Scrapple from the Apple, Paul Modian on drums, Joshua Redman on tenor saxophone, Brad Shopak and Kurt Rosenwinkel on electric guitars, and Stomo Kaishi on electric bass. And before that, we heard the, an original version by Mr. Charlie Parker himself, recorded in 1949, and Kenny Dorham on trumpet, Charlie Parker on alto saxophone, Al Haig on piano, Tommy Potter on bass, and Joe Harris on drums. And um, I have a reading next about the Electric Bebop Band from Paul Modian's unpublished autobiography. And don't forget, if you'd like a copy of the photo of Paul Modian that I posted on Facebook, um, the, it's a publicity photo by Roberto Masati, taken about 1974, and I have a bunch of 8x10 photographic copies of it. So just call the station here, 207-593-0013, um, when I play music only, please. And otherwise, if you're listening to the podcast, I have some that I'm going to give away through a Facebook post after I do the podcast, uh, maybe tonight or tomorrow. So this is the Electric Bebop Band. The Electric Bebop Band, EBBB, resurfaced in 1991. I had one rehearsal a few years earlier with Bill Frizzell and Mike Stern playing guitars and Mark Egan on electric bass, but abandoned the idea at that time. And, you know, I, I think I have a cassette of that, but I haven't had it digitized, so that could be the subject of a future show. The Electric Bebop Band was an idea of mine to maybe turn the younger generation on to some great music. I love bebop. I grew up with bebop. I wanted to play the music for those that did not witness the brilliance and greatness of the music. After all, we live in an electronic age. The new version of the band was playing in London, a one-week gig at Ronnie Scott's Club. The band consisted of different personnel than the earlier version, which had two guitars, bass, and drums. Joshua Redman played saxophone during the first half of the week at Ronnie's, and Chris Potter played the second half. Potter arrived the night before Joshua had to leave, and the two saxophonists played together, only for one night, and I liked it. It sounded good to me, and I decided then and there to continue to try to have two saxes in the band. In Bielefeld, Germany, the music was as good as it can get. It was real magic. Everything worked. We set up differently because of the size of the bandstand. The club was so small that we played to the room. We played with dynamics. The material was right. The set consisted of the music of Thelonious Monk, Charlie Parker, Duke Ellington, and Charles Mingus, a nice mixture. We played creative music, Steve Swallow bass, Brad Schopach and Kurt Rosenwinkel guitars, and Chris Potter saxophone. I ran into Ornette Coleman one day on Broadway near 72nd Street and mentioned that I was on my way home after a bebop band rehearsal. We just play the bebop repertoire in unison. All music is in unison, he said. It confirmed all my good feelings about the music and the direction of the band. Um, so the Electric Bebop Band, 
changed configurations quite a bit over the years. Um, that recording that we just heard was in 1993. That was the first um, time they played uh, a, a record. They recorded a record, and they, they made a record almost every two years for quite a while, 10 years, I think. Um, and But the lineup varied. So um, next up, we're going to hear Charlie Parker with Ornithology from the Bluebird Volume 2 album recorded in 1950. And then we're going to hear Ornithology by the Electric Bebop Band that recorded Reincarnation of a Lovebird, and that came out in 1994.
a little ornithology to end the first half of the show. Um, that version with the electric bebop band has Paul Modian, Chris Potter, Chris Cheek, Wolfgang Muthspiel, Kurt Rosenwinkel, Steve Swallow, and Don Alias. And the version we heard by Charlie Parker himself was recorded in 1950 with Fats Navarro on trumpet, Charlie Parker alto sax, Bud Powell on the piano, Curly Russell on bass, and Art Blakey on drums. And um, remember that I'm giving away copies of an 8 by 10 inch black and white photo of Paul Modian by Italian photographer Roberto Massati. And you can see it on Facebook if you want to see what it looks like. Um, so call the station when music is playing if you would like a copy. 207-593-0013. Welcome back to the second hour of Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet. Today's show is my 200th podcast. Hard to believe, isn't it? Um, all available online. Um, and after this show, I'm going to go to a once-a-month podcast, but I'll still be live on WRFR three times a month. Uh, the other two shows will just be uh, music and mostly focused on Paul Modian's music and jazz from his collection. Um, so I want to thank my sponsors, the Dowling Walsh Gallery and the Curator on Main Street in Rockland and Rockport Automotive in Rockport. And today's show, um, the first half there was a lot of bebop. Um, and now I'm moving into... Some more, uh, some more of Paul Modian's own music, along with other stuff. Um, but I'm doing a lot of readings from his, Paul Modian's unpublished autobiography. So this one is a childhood memory. Sometimes on a Sunday, we would take the bus to the country, from Providence to Franklin, Massachusetts, about 20 miles to Aunt Victoria's, my mother would gather up us kids, and we would take the bus to downtown Providence, then another bus to Franklin, where we would get off at the corner store and then walk the short distance to my aunt's house. Aunt Victoria, my mother's youngest sister, had four daughters. Mary was my age, Ruth a few years younger, followed by Rose and then Louise, who was the youngest. I was always surrounded by women. My mother, Alice, my two aunts, Aunt Victoria and Aunt Mariam, my sisters, Rose and Sarah, and my first cousins, Mary, Louise, Ruth, and Rosie. Enough said. We would pick blueberries, and Mother and Aunt Victoria would make pies that we would take to the beach. I'll never forget how good those pies tasted, still warm after a swim. There would be other homemade foods which were delicious. Picnic at the beach, unforgettable. There were cookouts in the backyard. Those Sundays were really special. I always looked forward to them. It was a getaway from Providence, which I thought was the end of the world, the bottom. Um, so I'm going to play Five Miles to Rentham from the album The Story of Mariam. Um, so Rentham is right next to Franklin, Massachusetts. So I assume that that's a sign on the way to, in the story he told. Um, so this is a, a soul note recording with Joe Lovano, Jim Pepper, Bill Frizzell, Ed Schuler, 
and Paul Modium, 1983. <laughs> Thank you. 
an unreleased recording of the story of Mariam, a Palmodian tune recorded live at Riles in Boston on September 26, 1984. Joe Lovano on tenor saxophone, Bill Frizzell on guitar, and Palmodian on drums. And before that, we heard Five Miles to Rentham from the story of Mariam, a soul note record with that same trio, but as a quintet with Jim Pepper and Ed Schuler. Um, and I've got another reading for you. It's not easy to organize a band. Sometimes you have to have a failure to have a success. There are so many things involved. Music musicianship and talent, of course. It's the way all the ingredients are used. Technique can be gotten by practice, but I'm more interested in the feeling. As Prez said, what's your story? If you're lucky enough, you may find the right ingredients and the compatibility and the great players. Most times, it's back to the woodshed. The trick is also to know when to give it up and when to have patience and when to work things out. After almost 40 years living in New York and playing with so many bands and individual musicians, I found it a rare thing to have a band and to be part of a band that has all the magic qualities. I've been fortunate. It's happened for me a few times, and it seems to go in 10-year periods. Some say life is in 10-year or goes in 10-year cycles. Others claim it comes in seven years, and still others I've read say three to five years. For me, the Bill Evans Association lasted about 10 years, and so did the time I spent with Keith Jarrett, and then the musical partnership and relationship I've had over the last 10 years with Bill Frizzell and Joe Lovano. You know you're playing with someone, and you're thinking, I should change the tempo now, I should anticipate. Or you're playing a tune, and it's ending, and you think, okay, I should end this now. No, it's cool, just sit back and trust yourself. When the right time for that to happen is happening, you'll know it and you'll just do it. Wait, trust yourself. It will end when the time comes. It will be right. Now I do that. I trust myself. I really like that quote. I think it's good advice for life in general, too. Um, so don't forget that I'm giving away some 8x10 photos of Palmodian by Italian photographer Roberto Massati. They're eight by 10 black and white prints. And um, if you would like one, you can call the station when music is playing, 207-593-0013. If you're listening to the podcast, check the Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet Facebook page um, for a place to um, comment and tell your interest in getting a copy of the photo. Um, and next I'm going to play a little Bill Evans with Chuck Israels on bass and Paul Modian on drums. Um, and this is a re-person I knew. And then I'm going to play that same cut from the Live at Ryle CD with Joe, Bill, and Paul.
That was Bill Evans' tune, Re-Person I Knew, um, recorded live at Riles on September 26, 1984. It's unreleased with Joe Lovano, Bill Frizzell, and Paul Modian. Before that, we heard the original version from 1962's Moonbeams on Riverside with Bill Evans, Chuck Israels, and Paul Modian. And um, remember that I'm giving away 8 by 10 photos of Paul Modian taken by Italian photographer Roberto Massati in 1974 for ECM Records. I've got a bunch of copies. Um, if you'd like one, you can call the station when music is playing 207-593-0013, or you can look for a Facebook post either tonight or tomorrow, depending on when I get the podcast up. Um, and I've got another reading for you. Music. The drum heads are like skin. It's as if you're playing a human, a hollow human that you're filling with life. The touch, the feel, it's exotic. It's sensual. Each note, each beat has meaning. It's important. It's love. It's good to play mistakes. It gives the music an edge and enhances the creative process. I don't like to always be perfect. The mistakes make it exciting. Playing on some songs, usually ballads, each measure has its own time. Each phrase has its own time, all of it encompassed in an overall time. It's a way of playing with the feeling of the song. It depends a lot on the music. What's the best way to treat the music? What will make it more meaningful? What kind of playing will make me feel as if I've enhanced the music and made it original and beautiful? Of course, this kind of playing is not for all musics. Normal straight-ahead time playing is best when called for. Someone once said, you have to have discipline to undo discipline. I believe it. It makes sense. Another cut from Moonbeams, if you could see me now.
Folks Who Live on the Hill, a Jerome Kern and Oscar Hammerstein II tune from On Broadway, Volume 4, a 2006 winter and winter release. Chris Potter on saxophone, Larry Grenadier on bass, Paul Modian on drums, and Rebecca Martin on vocals. Before that, we heard If You Could See Me Now, a Dameron Sigmund tune, from Live at the Village Vanguard, Volume 2, also recorded in 2006, but not released until 2010 on Winter and Winter. Paul Modian, Chris Potter, Larry Grenadier, Matt Maniri on viola, and Masabumi Kikuchi on piano. 
And before that, we heard Bill Evans' version of If You Could See Me Now from Moonbeams, a 1962 Riverside recording. Bill Evans, Chuck Israels, and Paul Modian. And today's show is the 200th podcast live radio show that Uncle Paul's Jazz, it, Jazz Closet has produced, and uh, I think it's pretty exciting. I can't believe it's been almost six years. I guess when I started, I thought eh, maybe do a couple of years and probably run out of stuff to play or read, and um, none of that has come true. <laughs> So, um, but from now on, I'm just going to do a, a once a month podcast uh, just to make time for other things in my life. And then I'm going to still have a show um, on the other two weeks of the month that I normally do, but it will just be um, focused on music and it won't be pre-planned and podcasted. Um, so if you can stream or listen live, you have no worries. I'll still be here. And, um, and... Otherwise, you can listen to one of the 200 podcasts on the in-between weeks if you want. Um, so I have one more thing I wanted to read. Um, just because it, it's a story from Paul's childhood that I never heard before that he wrote. He, didn't, he decided not to keep it in the autobiography. Um, so it's just kind of a little thing, but... Many junior high school students from all over New England were participating in the YMCA outdoor track events. I entered two events, the 100-yard dash and the running broad jump. I won the 100-yard dash. No one could beat me. I was always fast on the run. After that, I went over to where the running broad jump was happening, did my bit, and came in third. Disappointing, but I still placed, and anyway, I had won the 100-yard dash. The next day, I was hanging out on Pearl Street, sitting on the stoop of one of the houses with some other kids, and one older kid was reading the newspaper that listed the previous day's winners. I was not listed. My name was there for placing in the running broad jump, but no mention of me in the 100-yard dash. Come to find out that I was supposed to have run in the final. No one had informed me. I had won the qualifying race, but not the final. I had been disqualified. I tried boxing at the CYO gym, thought I was something special because I had always won my street fights. This time I was out of my league. The person I fought in the ring was more of a professional than I was, and he pummeled me, kicked my beep. I had never been in the boxing ring before. I never laid a glove on him. <laughs> okay, so um, next up. I'm going to play a cut from Paul Modian in Tokyo, which I will say is one of my favorite trio with Joe Lovano and Bill Frizzell albums. Um, we're going to hear from time to time, and then I think we might have time for um, Birdsong, too. Um, okay, so check out the Facebook page and jazzcloset.blogspot.com to find out how to get a copy of the 8 by 10 inch photo by Robert, R Roberto Masati. I guess no one live wants one. We're listening live. but um, So I'll have, have 12 available for podcast listeners. Um, and I'll see you next week with a music show made up of 
mostly music from Paul Modian's collection, so it'll be almost all jazz. I might veer a little bit into some other things. Um, So have a great week, and keep resisting. It's getting worse out there.
Thank you. 